Appreciate the opportunity to be able to stand and deliver the word before you. Amen. I'm going to pull my text this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter three, verses one through twelve. I'm going to I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible this morning. Amen. Again, if it's your first time here, welcome you. Matthew chapter 3, I uh, begin reading at verse 1, and I'm going to read through verse 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the wilderness of, Ju of Judea, along the western side of the Dead Sea, and saying, Repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret, past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance, seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the one who was mentioned by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the road for the Lord, make his pathway or make his highway straight. Now this same John had made clothing, had clothing made of camel's hair, and a wide leather band around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Verse 5, at that time Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the divine wrath and judgment to come? This is, my, this is my key verse here. So produce fruit that is consistent with repentance, demonstrating new behavior that proves a change of heart and a conscious decision to turn away from sin. Verse 9. Do not presume to say to yourselves as a defense, we have Abraham our father, so our inheritance assures us of salvation. For I say to you, that from these stones, God is able to raise up children, descendants for Abraham. Verse 10. <clears throat> and already the axe of God's judgment is swinging toward the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and, hewn and thrown into the fire. Verse 11. As for me, I baptize you with water because of your repentance. That is because you are willing to change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret your sin and live a changed life. But he, the Messiah, who is coming after me is mightier, more powerful, and more noble than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to remove. Even as his slave, he will baptize you who truly repent with the Holy Spirit. And you who remain unrepentant with fire judgment. Verse 12. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clear out the threshing floor 
And he will gather his wheat, which is the believers, into his barn, which is the kingdom. But he will burn up the chaff, which is the unrepentant, with unquenchable fire. Amen. For the next few minutes, I want to preach, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Amen. Let's all pray. God of heaven, we love you. We thank you, God, for the opportunity, God, to stand in your presence, God, to hear your word this morning. God, speak to our hearts. God, through your word, let the power of the Holy Ghost, God, move in this house today. God, let unrepentant hearts, God, be changed. Let those, God, that have come in bound be delivered and set free, God, in your presence. Let your word find root in our hearts. God, break up the fallow ground. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. John the Baptist was a very unique and strange individual. He was considered to be the last true Old Testament prophet before the coming of Jesus. Jesus himself called John the Baptist the greatest to be born of a woman. John, the man born to prepare the way for the Messiah, the man who baptized everyone that he could get his hands on so that he could find the one that they would call the Messiah. The man who ate locusts and wild honey, wore camel's hair, the man who caused a stir. Every time he opened his mouth, he seems to cause repentance or a riot. He was loud and unashamed to call sin, sin. He was not afraid, no matter what the consequences he might face or who he was talking to, to tell the people to repent. The repentance referenced in verse 2 was a radical way of thinking for the Jews of this time. They understood that they were God's chosen people and thought that by, the fact, by that fact alone, that they were guaranteed entrance into the kingdom of God. However, they wanted to live in their eyes was fine because they would be granted access into the kingdom of God. But how many people in here this morning will back me up in saying that there are some things that humans, we as humans, must do to be saved? There is more to salvation than a simple prayer that is prayed. And that is all we must do to obtain right standing with God. The message of John the Baptist is still a message that resonates today. It's still a message that is still relevant today. The message that John the Baptist preached is unchanged today. Repent! 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 The message of repentance is something that we still need today. Verse 8, as I referenced earlier, that I want to really key in on. That's where I pull my title from. So produce fruit that is consistent with repentance. Demonstrating new behavior that proves a change of heart and a conscious decision to turn away sin. The main thrust and point of my message today is that if we have truly repented, there will be change in our lives. There will be change in everything that we do, everything that we say. If you're sinning in here this morning, stop it. It's that simple. You might ask the question this morning, Rev, what is sin? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. Sin is anything that is contrary to the laws of God. Sin is anything that will drive a wedge between you and your relationship with God. You see, repentance, and we talked about it Tuesday night. I was, I was excited when, when Pastor and First Lady was talking about repentance on Tuesday night because I, I texted him. I'm like, man, you're, you're in my notes. But, but repentance is more than being sorry. The Bible says that sorrow, being sorry, is what moves us to repentance. Sometimes when I look around at some of the church culture today, what I, and I'm using that term loosely, but I'm amazed what, quote unquote, the church has turned into. Churches, and I'm not talking about apostolic churches, I'm talking about church as a whole. Churches have taken out the call, the need for people to change their hearts and turn to God. Even in denominal church circles, they have removed any preaching about repentance, change, and the call to turn from sin and run to God. It used to be you could go into a denominal church any given Sunday and you would hear some preacher railing against sin and this and that. And I'm not it's I'm not gonna get into what's I'm not gonna get down in the weeds of what's sin. You know, you know what's sin and what's not. But instead, churches have turned or have, have begun preaching messages of, messages of positive self-image, prosperity messages with no substance or call to change their lives. They preach messages that are designed to attract people and offering money to advance the kingdom of God. The sermons tell you how wonderful you are and offer no solutions to the problems that we as humans are facing if we don't repent. But I want to tell you in here today that unless you repent and turn to God and flee the sins that are binding you, just like the old prophet John said, you will perish. You cannot save yourselves. You need to throw yourself on the mercy of of a sovereign God and doing about face from your sinful lifestyle. Amen. Where's the fruit? 2 Corinthians. I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm back in. I think I'm back in the King James for this. 2 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 11. Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. I do not say this to condemn, for I have said, for I have said before that you... You are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all tribulation. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts, 
the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Verse 7. And not only us, and not only by his coming, but also the consolation with which he was comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so, I, so, so that I rejoiced even more. Verse 8. For even I made you sorry with my letter. I do not regret it. Though I, though, I do, though I did regret it, for I perceived that the same epistle, an epistle is a letter, made you sorry, though only for a while. Verse 9, now I rejoice that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow, not that you were made sorry, excuse me, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner. That you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation with what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication in all things. You proved yourself to be clear in this matter. I love the Apostle Paul. He's, he's my favorite writer because he's so honest. Verse 1 opens with a call for us to reach and strive for perfection by cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. It's interesting here that he seems to be referring, Brother Parks, to a letter that he had written to the church of Corinth. Scholars believe that this letter that he is referring to is likely not 1 Corinthians as it doesn't seem to match the tone of what the Apostle Paul is presenting here. But the letter was, was likely written between 1 and 2 Corinthians and was since lost. That's neither here nor there. It's just an interesting fact. The theme may not be as important as the results that Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians 7. The results of Paul's harshly worded letter to the church were strong enough to cause them, them sorrow and in turn repent for their actions. If I'm doing something that could get me hurt, if I'm doing something that's wrong, that's not right, I would hope that someone would throw caution to the wind and tell me, Hey, what you're doing is not right. What you're doing could get you hurt. Every man and woman under the sound of my voice should have a Paul, an Apostle Paul in your life. Someone that is able to speak into your life when you're off track, when you're going off the rails, when you're doing things that's contrary to the Word of God and to get you back on track to be able to take it and listen and straighten up. Everyone in this house should take what our pastor preaches to us and digest it as God's word that will guide us and show us the way. Now, you should always, always, always line up with what the man of God is saying with what's in the word. Ezekiel. Chapter 18, I'm going to read verses 30 through 32. 
Ezekiel 18, 30-32. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from all your transgression, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that died, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. Many people in the world, I think, paint God as this old man in a rocking chair with this giant eraser. And he's just waiting for you to make a mistake. To erase your name out of the book of life. And I've come to tell you that's not the case. God loves you. He loves you so much that He's calling you to repent and turn to Him. There will come a time, the Bible tells us, when the books will be open. And God will take off that sheep-like nature. And He'll put on a different robe. And we will be judged. And those will be judged out of the book of life based on their deeds and their works. But that time is not now. The time now is to repent. Luke chapter 5 and verse 32 states, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Jesus' message or Jesus' mission was to die for a lost world that without him would be lost, dying, and it's on its way to a devil's hell. Jesus came to find the sinners, no matter how vile, no matter how wretched they were, and call them to repentance. Jonah, and I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you this morning, but I want to paint a picture. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And then I'm going to, here in a minute, I'm going to skim down to Jonah chapter 3. But right now we're going to go there. Jonah 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof. And went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And I have mentioned this before when I've preached, but it's worth mentioning again that grace and mercy can be found in the Old Testament if you look for it. The story of Jonah is one of the greatest redemption stories in the entire Bible, in my opinion, that we can look at. I wish I had time this morning to go through and read this entire story and really dig into it but for the sake of time we're just going to sort of skim over it and talk about it just for a little bit God speaks to Jonah and tells him to go to Nineveh and preach to them to repent for the evil that they had done Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh and preach to the people and I've heard many scholars debate over the time why Jonah didn't want to go. Some say he was racist. I don't know. 
it, I'm not sure exactly what the reason was. The latter part of the, of the book seems to allude to why Jonah fled. But Jonah flees God's call upon his life and tries to run. How many of you know that you can run, but you can't hide from the presence of God? The psalmist David said, if I sin, ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, in hell behold, thou art there. But Jonah boarded a ship to flee unto Tarshish. While traveling, there arose a great storm. And the sailors thought that they were going to die. They cast lots, which essentially is a kind of an archaic way of saying they drew straws. And the lot, as it were, fell upon Jonah. And they asked him to tell him what was, why this was happening to them. So they throw, they threw Jonah overboard after some, after some debate and some dialogue. And immediately when they threw him overboard, the storm ceased. So a great fish comes and swallows up the prophet. And he spends three days and three nights in the fish's belly. So Jonah calls out to God from this sort of hell. It's, it's, it's a type of hell because the Bible, the New Testament talks about when Jesus went to the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, as was the prophet Jonah. So it was a, it was a foreshadowing of what was to come. But Jonah calls out to God from the belly of the fish and God causes the fish to vomit him out onto the beach. So once he's out of the fish, the word of the Lord again comes to Jonah and told him again to go to Nineveh and preach. So this time he gets the message. He gets the point. Jonah chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the, from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Verse 7. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, lest anything, let them not feed nor drink water. Verse 8. But let, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way, from the violence that is in their hands. Verse 9. Who can tell... If God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger, that we perish not. Verse 10. And this is what this is what ties in what I've been talking about. Verse 10. I want you to look at that. 
God saw their works. That they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do to them. And He did it not. Wow. What a king. What a wise king. Once the king understood the error of their ways... He proclaimed a fast throughout the city that decrees that neither, not only man, but every animal, no one's going to eat anything. He proclaimed that they cry out to God and turn from their wicked ways. Amen. You could all stand. Verse 10. That I just talked about. How did God know. That they had repented. And that they had changed. God saw their works. And realized. That they had changed. Once God saw this. It was this action. That made him change his mind. On their judgment and decided to spare their lives. I ask you again this morning, where's the fruit? I don't know what mess, what situation you may have come in here this morning with. I don't know what sins of shackles you may have brought in here this morning. And I stand here this morning confessing as Paul did I must die daily I'm not perfect no one in here is perfect but God is here this morning to hear your prayer and not only hear but to respond to your prayers God's grace and mercy is available if you will repent this morning Luke chapter 24 Verses 44 through 49. I mean, I know this message doesn't make you want to shout and run the aisles, but this is what God had for us. Luke, Luke 24, verse 44 through 49. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name What's his name this morning? Jesus. Among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Ye are witnesses of these things, and behold. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost. I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Jesus instructs us to his disciples that repentance and remission of sins 
which is water baptism in the name of Jesus. And the promise of the Father, which we know to be the baptism of the Holy Ghost, were to be preached in His name, in Jesus' name, beginning at Jerusalem in the upper room. Repentance is great, and that's what I talked about this morning, but there's more to it than repentance. That's not all there is to salvation. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus. Why? You might ask. Well, I'm glad you asked. For the remission of sins. You must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Friday morning, I was in my office. And my phone rang, and it was my mom. And my mom normally doesn't call me unless it's something important, but she knows I'm, I'm busy. Normally, I'm drinking a Coke or just kind of going through my going through my quotes and my daily my daily stuff. But she called me, and uh, growing up, my best friend in the entire world. Um, His, his dad was a very, very good man. Very good man. He was very, always came to church, but he never, never repented. There was never, there was never a change. He was faithful to the house of God, paid his tithes, but he was never faithful. He was never he, was, he never repented, never showed any emotion. He was just always just, he just kind of stood there. So many years, we've prayed for him that God would move on his heart. Never understood it. A couple years ago, he, he, got, he got sick. And we were, we were there at, Christmas, at Thanksgiving. We, we went over there and spent some time with her family because that's like my second parents but so we went and uh, I didn't really it was it was on my heart when I left I just because I could see you know that his condition had changed he's doing better but he still he still needs prayer but so my mom when she calls me she says hey she said um Brenda, Brenda called me last night, and uh, she said, Steve, there's something that's happened. He didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost, but he came, he came to the altar, and he repented. It's never, it's never too late to repent. It's never too late. As long as there's breath in your body, there's hope. There's chance of redemption. But if you're in this room this morning and you've not been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you want to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want you to come right now. If you're here and you've not repented of your sins, today is the day to repent of your sins. And we're just going to pray a prayer of repentance corporately.
pray your words. Make it your prayer. But I'm going to pray a prayer for us corporately, together. God, we love you. God, we thank you, God, for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you because you are a sovereign God. We thank you, God, because you know what it is to walk this earth. Because the Bible instructs us, God, that you came. You came in the likeness of sinful flesh, yet without sin. God, you knew what it was to be tired. You knew what it was to be hungry, yet without sin. God, and I pray in this house right now, God, that you would hear our prayer. God, there are those of us. God, and I'll make it personal. God, I'm a mess. God, there's things that I want to say and I don't say. There's things that I want to do and I don't do. The things that I set to do and I don't do. God, but you know our hearts. God, and today we throw ourselves at the mercy of the court. We know today, God, that you're able, God, to hear our prayer. God, but not only hear our prayer, but answer our prayer today. God, and as, as sinful flesh, God, today, God, I cry out, God, that I need you. And I confess, God, that I need your presence in my life. God, and I pray today, God, if there's sin in my life, God, there's sins that I've committed. God, there's sins of omission. God, there's things that I've done that I don't even know that I've done. God, but today, God, I repent. God, and I throw myself at the mercy of your court. God, I pray today, God, that you would forgive me. God, that you would wash me. God, that that blood, God, that's been applied to my life through the waters of baptism. God, that it would be activated right now. God, and I plead the blood over my life. God, I pray right now, God, that if there's those in here, God, that have sin in their life, God, I pray that you would forgive them. I pray, God, that you would draw upon their hearts. God, right now, God, I pray for conviction. God, in this house. God, because we don't know what tomorrow holds, this could be the very last service. God, that we're able to be in. God, because we don't know, God, what tomorrow holds. God, but I pray your grace and I pray your mercy, God, will be extended to every person in this room today. God, I pray, God, that they would fall upon their face. God, that they would seek your throne, God, for repentance. Oh, God, we love you today. God, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your mercy, God, and for your grace. God, because we know, God, that you're faithful and that you're just. Oh, God, we honor you today, God, and we thank you and we praise you today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. She's going to sing. There's a sweet presence of the Lord in here. We've got a few more minutes before we have to transition. God, we thank you. God, we praise you today.
you can stay for the 11 o'clock service, that's great. If not, we'll see you Tuesday night. Amen. God bless you today. You're, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you.